The Basildon jetty is an icon of Basildon, in fact of the whole southwest. But the only reason it is still here is because of a dedicated group of Basildon citizens who banded together when the government wanted to demolish the jetty. Western Tourist Radio has been interviewing these visionaries so that the stories of the Basildon jetty can live on. Today I'm talking to Trevor Fitzgerald. G'day Trevor. Hi Barry. The Basildon jetty has been around for a long time, but it wasn't until Cyclone Elby in 1978 that uh, you and others were galvanised into action to save it for future generations. Tell us about that time. Yes, Barry. The the old promenade jetty, um, there were sections of that were broken away with the high tide and the wind-driven water. They weren't damaged as such, but the high high water levels just lifted sections out of the ground and uh, it floated across what wedged under what used to be called the um, railway jetty or the skelly jetty. We were very concerned um, that there was another storm imminent and we were worried that uh, that storm might cause those sections of the promenade jetty to uh, do further damage to the railway jetty. Um, so we organised a, uh, a clean-up to uh, get rid of it. The government of the day didn't want anything, anything to do with it and neither did the local council. It was commu- totally community-driven. There was five of us initially that started it and that was joined by uh, another me- member very shortly after. Who were those five people? There was uh, Roy Melvin, myself, uh, Rob Griffiths, Peter Townsend, Arne Jesperson and uh, a few days later was Peter uh, Loughton. Once you came together, what happened from there? We raced around, we tried to organise uh, local people and tradespeople to um, join with us uh, on the following weekend to, um, to clean up the uh, sections that were wedged under the railway jetty. That was on the Tuesday of Alby. Um, on the Friday, approximately four o'clock, um, the then CEO of the council contacted us and said we couldn't proceed with the uh, work because we didn't have insurance. The uh, local South um, South British Insurance representative, Cyril um, Oreo, contacted his people in Sydney and they donated the insurance cover so we were allowed to proceed. Um, on the Saturday and Sunday we had in excess of 600 people out of a uh, community of uh, around about 6,000 people. We had almost 60 pieces of major machinery on site and we had uh, Bustleton JCs uh, had a caravan there with uh, refreshments for the workers and uh, it was totally community driven. From there we, um, we formed the Save the Bustleton Jetty Committee because the um, Public Works Department uh, and the local council wanted nothing to do with it. They were quite intent on uh, removing the jetty in total. The um, local member, upper house member, he was very supportive and provided his uh, secretary, which was Leslie um, Morris, uh, to assist us and uh, we went from there. It took us eight years to get the government to agree for us to take over the jetty. The cost of removing the jetty was estimated at the time to be $750,000, which the government gave us on a condition that we... um, used the money to restore the worst damaged parts of the jetty. Um, This wasn't quite enough and uh, through the community we raised guarantees of another $250,000 which we repaid within two years um, 
with donations and uh, uh, community fundraising. After eight years, when the government finally agreed to uh, allow us to take over the jetty, we then formed uh, what is now Bejeka, uh with the support of the then council. And the name Bejeka stands for the Bustleton Jetty Environment and Conservation Association. The reason for the name was that it gave us um, uh, access, for the name, gave us access to um, um, our ability to um, get grants from the various government departments uh, because it involved the environment as well. I was treasurer for the first nine or 11 years and uh, I instituted the actual business structure that now operates on a much higher level than what it was at the time. To start with, we worked on donations to go on the jetty. Uh, We were then given an old caravan, which we set up as an office at the entrance of the jetty, and we charged a dollar per person entrance. A little bit of opposition from a few people, but not too much. Uh, From there, we progressed into a a, a small uh, kiosk at the beginning of the jetty, which was donated by one of the local builders, um, uh, Koenig and uh, Company, and uh, progressed from there. Uh, we had um, festival queens raising money, we had um, balls, we had various fundraising, we had souvenirs from the uh, made up from the bits of uh, jetty which we'd reclaimed, and uh, effectively we paid back that 250000 within two years. And that's very impressive and just demonstrates the power of community and and why community is so important, and if we rely on government, things don't necessarily work out the way we would like. The committee is still totally um, community-driven by volunteers. We do employ people. We have up to about 30-odd uh, employees, full-time or part-time now. Um, we run it as a very successful local business. Uh, we have um, a very driven a group of um, supporters and staff. I myself have been on it on the executive for 38 of those last 39 years. Uh, there's a lot of little stories on the on the side that um, just stand out in my memory. Um, one was that we um, had uh, an oceanarium on the beachfront, and. Um, and a fisherman and I we went out. We caught a shark one day. It was about eight kilometres out of Bronze Whaler. He was about a meter, about nearly two metres long, but by the time we got him in, he was a little bit ragged because they need water passing through their gills to survive. When we got back in, he was um, not in the best condition, so I walked him with a rope around his tail uh, from the boat ramp to, the, um, to where the jetty is. In doing so, I passed a, a man and his son walking their log along the beach, and he, he said, but... Uh, what on earth are you doing there? And I said, oh, I'm just taking my shark for a walk. <laughs> uh, another one that really stands out in my mind was uh, it's about four or five years ago now that we, I met a woman and her son and uh, another young lad, about 14, uh, on the jetty. Uh, got talking with them, found that uh, they were actually from Iran. Her son had seen the underwater observatory uh, on the internet and when she and he... Uh, came out to Australia, to Sydney, to uh, meet f- some friends. She flew him and his uh, 14-year-old mate across to Perth, hired a car, drove down to Bustleton, 
just to see the underwater observatory and the jetty and back to Sydney again that night. Well, that's interesting and this will be playing on tourist radio and I guess, you know, there's so much more to tourism because tourism gives icons and, and the natural attractions like the the view from the underwater observatory an economic value and, you know, economics is important but we've got to look after the southwest to retain that economic value. The jetty has become not just an Australian icon but an international one. We have approximately four times the um, number of international tourists at the jetty than there are at most other tourist um, attractions. We've just recently introduced a a new um, uh, mode to the jetty which is our um, group of volunteers that meet and greet uh, people. We've got about 50 of them now and they help people on and off the train and talk to them, answer questions and uh, make people generally welcome. In many cases, this is their first contact with Busselton and we want to make it as attractive and interesting as we can for these visiting people. The underwater observatory, you have to book to go in there, is that correct still? Yes, you have to book. Um, During the high season, you might have to wait two or three days to get in. It is so popular. We uh, have a train that... uh, carries uh, 40-odd people, which is um, only slightly greater than the capacity of the underwater uh, observatory at any given time. We are building, in the, in the process of building, a new train which will carry 90 people and it will be totally solar-operated and um, a lot more comfortable than the old train, but still a very much an attraction. So to be solar operated, that's interesting. Is it, well, what about on a, on a cloudy day? Will you have to push it out there? No, we, we have batteries which will store the excess, excess power, which will um, give us um, almost total uh, control. And it is, again, a feature of our environment um, mode that we, we operate under. We run the train um, until uh, we close at 6 o'clock at night and... Uh, uh, we leave the evening, for the most part, for the fishermen. Although the train's not going up and down and disturbing their fishing. We try to cater for everybody in the community. So many people, particularly on pensions, they go down and they catch a, feed, a couple of feeds of fish which helps to supplement their um, pensions. And it, it gives them an, an outing and an involvement in the community at the same time. Thanks for talking to us today, Trevor. And a visit to the southwest isn't complete without a walk or a train ride out onto the Basselton Jetty and the underwater observatory. As Trevor's mentioned, there's a limited number of places available in the observatory, so if you're planning a visit, it pays to book ahead. The jetty structure's open 24 hours a day, and the Interpretive Centre and Heritage Museum are open daily, excluding Christmas Day. You can book online from the Basselton Jetty website, busseltonjetty.com.au, Or, of course, you can also visit touristradio.com.au forward slash Bustleton, click on the Things to Do tab, and you'll find a link direct to the Bustleton Jetty website, as well as other things to do in and around Bustleton. You're listening to Western Tourist Radio. Discover WA. Your way.